It's nice to see a good crowd out for the Word of God. I don't know if you knew it was going to be Isaiah 13. <laughs> you still have a chance to get out. <laughs> Babylon's fall, that's what we're going to consider. Next session, next Wednesday, Lord willing, we'll consider Satan's fall. But this, this evening, it is Babylon's turn. And I want to just set it up by looking at verse 11 of Isaiah 13. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Well, that's a pretty serious statement. Um, <clears throat> so that's what this chapter is going to open up. Beginning with this 13th chapter till we get to the 23rd chapter, we have what we call the book of judgments against the nations. You know, we've been going through what the Lord was going to do to the northern kingdom for her apostasy and then to Judah. And, but this, this section, these chapters from 13 to 23, are dealing with the nations, Babylon, Assyria, Moab, and, and the others. So, uh, this first verse will speak of the burden. And the prophecies that use this gets its name from the Hebrew word for burden, translated burden, Massa in the Hebrew. And uh, it is never connected with blessings. It's not just speaking of picking up something heavy and carrying it. Though, metaphorically, that is the picture that it gives to us. It always has something to do with judgment. Isaiah is not the only one that uses this word in this context. Well, sin creates a burden. If we didn't take it to, into the English language, and we, we understand that we're using the word burden in a negative way, sin creates a burden. Well, Hebrews 12 let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us or ensnares us. And uh, that weight is the burden. And it is always connected to sin. Everything is spiritual about human beings. Everything. Uh, when there's a problem, it's spiritual. Whether it is uh, two friends, husband and wife, uh, worker, co-worker, there's a spiritual element to it. And Satan knows that. And that's why he will drive a wedge wherever he can. And I know, you know, you can lift a bridge with wedges. Uh, I mean a suspension bridge, you know, parts of it. I know because I've done it. So uh, a wedge is a powerful thing. So that's, we are always mindful of this. Anyway, these seven chapters, seven of these 13 chapters of Isaiah speaks of this burden and each nation will get its chance. <clears throat> it also shows up in Lamentations, Nahum, Habakkuk, as I mentioned, other prophets. Now, throughout history, throughout the history of the world, the nations have been watched and known to Jesus Christ. They don't believe that. Well, that's not going to stop it. You're going to just huff and puff and deny the Lord from being the Lord. You, you can to your own fate. Our purpose in knowing this kind of information and being reminded of it is so that we can do something with it if given the chance. 
and uh, to let them know, hey, by the way, (laughs) God sees it all. And uh, don't go making up. When you hear something, when you hear me say to you, God sees it all, don't go making up what you think that means. That just irritates him even more. So, no sense in listing the nations uh, today that are under the scrutiny of Christ or through history, because it, all of them, it's all of them. There's no need to list them, including the United States. You know, Nazi Germany. We distinguish Nazi Germany from Germany. Not all Germans were Nazis. All the great bulk of them seem to have been what well, they were during that war. But uh, look at America today. You have America and you have liberal America. That is like Nazi Germany. They're the ones that are at wholesale killing more human beings through the murder of the unborn than anything else. The number one cause of human death. Uh, they don't believe that is human death. It's a zygote or something to them. They want to cover up their dirt. And again, I don't ever want to address that without saying if uh, if you have been a part of that sin well God is ready to forgive you just you got to come to him and repent so uh, but but the point is they've given us look at I mean you just look at the perversity they're giving us they think they're reinventing humanity and they're just you know dancing to the devil's tune and uh, going to hell with their little lattes in their hand or whatever they're called. I don't know. Just, why can't I just have a cup of coffee? Just, can I have a cup of coffee? Would you like whipped cream on that? No. <laughs> I'm a pastor. I can punch you. Anyway, uh, back, to, back to this. Uh, years ago, I went to a coffee shop downtown Richmond. Uh, and they had a puppy, like a, a fountain to the pets. They really, it's, not, it's still there, I'm sure. And you just shrug your shoulders. Then, now you look at what they're... Anyway, and I go in there and I say, can I have a coffee? It'll be 20 minutes of dialogue. Can I just have a cup of coffee? Anyhow, back to this. Um, uh, These kingdoms of the earth, uh, that uh, all of them will fall to the destruction of judgment. Uh, Many have already. But let's just consider the civilizations, the nations, and the empires that have tried to destroy the Jewish people. Let's just single it down, just narrow it down to them, because they're gone. The Philistines. You won't meet a Philistine. Um, you know, you won't say, hey, where are you from? I'm a Philistine. No, you're not. They're gone. Uh, the Assyrian Empire, gone. In fact, you ask somebody on the street, where's Assyria? They're going to say, Syria. And <laughs> because of that part in it. Uh, really, Iraq. Anyway, uh, Babylon, the Babylonian Empire, gone. The Persian Empire, the Seleucid Empire, the Roman Empire, the Ottoman Empire, the Spanish Empire, the Nazi German um, regime, and the Soviet Union. That's just ten of them. There are more. There are are ten established governments that are no more because the Lord reigns. And Ezekiel 38, 39 tells us the list will grow. There are more that will be added to this list. And so the wicked people of history, and all of this, you know, we're talking about the judgment of Babylon today, this evening, but it goes beyond ancient Babylon and includes apocalyptic Babylon. And then that has uh, categories such as uh, apostate 
the apostate Babylon, which is Rome. Who else can it be? Uh, You you get arrived at very quickly through the process of elimination. Uh, uh, Then you have spiritual Babylon, which is the occult world. You have economic Babylon, political Babylon, and Revelation just brings this forward. And when you understand it that way, say, look, the Lord is covering them all. This is comprehensive judgment. And he's using Babylon as sort of the template, the, the poster boy for this spiritual defiance, because that's what it is. It's flat-out spiritual defiance. In ancient Babylon, uh, they, are packed, they were so loaded with the occult that they were also referred to as the Chaldeans. And they were the ones involved in, in much of the sorceries and, and, and things like that. Anyway, when you consider... Uh, the judgments, you know, you know, Stalin, Pol Pot, Hitler's name is always in the bunch, but Stalin was probably worse. Tojo, uh, you know, <laughs> there was a guy called Tojo, and of the, you know, the the Japanese uh, Empire during World War II. Chairman Mao, he's not a chairman now. <laughs> he's um, he's a wicked man. He tried to purge communist China. And we should make that distinction. There are Chinese people, then there are the Chai Kams, the Chinese communists. Big difference. Uh, you could say that about the Cuban people. You know, there are Cuban people, then there are the Cuban communists. So communism is a religion that pretends to be a political entity. It, it does both, but it really is a religion because it will not tolerate any other religion. It looks to stomp them out. Any, anyway, uh, so look at Isaiah 14, just one page over, maybe. Uh, Verse 19, and there we read, But you are cast out of your grave like an abominable branch, like the garment of those who are slain. Well, that's not the verse I wanted. Where is it? I halfway apologize for that, because one half of me is human. You expect me to mess up at some point. And the other part is like, we we should have wrote down the right verse. Anyway, um, oh, here, verse 9. I'll be kicking myself later, but not too hard. Uh, Anyway, hell from beneath is excited about you. In the context, again, all of these wicked leaders of history, to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you. All the chief ones of the earth is raised up from their thrones. All the kings of the nations. He's mocking those entering hell. And in this case, it will be the, the king uh, of, of Babylon. Is, and then it begins to expand into Satan. We'll get that next session. But it's mocking them. You won't be ruling in hell. Nobody's going to be excited to see you. They're going to have their own problems. Uh, what is there, a committee there waiting for you? Uh, n- not at all. Anyway, uh, so these chapters 13 through 23 they emphasize that God's kingdom includes this world and uh, Amos the prophet he preached the same thing to the northern kingdom when it was still there now at this time northern kingdom is probably gone kaput judged this Judah is still there uh, Jerusalem uh, is, but <laughs> the interesting thing about uh, Amos is a prophet from Judah and he goes north into the northern kingdom and he starts out with his prophecies against the nations. And the Jews were loving that until he started turning his attention to them and began to say, woe to you. 
you're going to be judged for what you're doing in the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And they even asked him to go leave. Can you just leave, just go away, move back to Judah? And uh, anyway, Daniel, he reports what was told to King Nebuchadnezzar that just highlights for us God's not missing any of the moves. He sees it all. And just because he delays a response doesn't mean it's not coming. Uh, and there's a lot of woe in between. Granted, Daniel chapter 4, verse 25, <clears throat> this is what Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar. They shall drive you from men. He doesn't mean in a car. Till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whoever he chooses. So with that statement in Daniel, we get what we're getting from the other prophets, that God rules. And uh, uh, the judgment that's coming will be global because the defiance towards Jesus Christ and his people will, by the time of the great tribulation, it will be global. So we now look at verse 1 with that, hopefully that set up for it. The burden against Babylon, which Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw. Well, the focal point at this point is the ancient city of Babylon, and uh, it stands for something much bigger than just Babylon. We get that. Because from Genesis eleven nine, where Babylon was in rebellion, and God called them out on it, to Revelation fourteen eight and beyond, but it's first mentioned by name in Revelation fourteen eight, but by practice it had showed up earlier. From Genesis onward to Revelation. Babylon becomes virtually synonymous with wickedness. And that's why we're halting at this one chapter and not kind of moving through it and just get to 14. Because it is synonymous with spiritual wickedness, the darkness on the earth, Satan's kingdom, where he thrived. And it represents, you know, civilization uh, and its stronghold of, of darkness, the sorcery and the occult, which we are... We're seeing now. Um, how many of you have had a good time watching the news? Ever. I mean, you, you walk away, I feel so much better now. Everything's under control. Isaiah 13, again, I will punish the world for its evil. And that punishment involves the destruction uh, of the cities against God, the slaughter of countless multitudes, that uh, all because evil has stirred this up. And uh, Isaiah, of course, not only seeing, as I mentioned, ancient Babylon, and if you're going to understand your revelation at all, you've got to understand that. There's ancient Babylon, there's apocalyptic Babylon. Because ancient Babylon was just a den of sorcery. And uh, so is apocalyptic. Uh, the the apocalyptic, apocalyptic kingdoms, the superpowers. And... In Isaiah's lifetime, this is interesting. Babylon wasn't anything. It wasn't a superpower. It was overshadowed by Assyria. Assyria even conquered it more than once. Just put it in its play. Oh, you want to pay taxes or tribute? We can come down here and show you who's boss. And destroyed the city. Not the, Then was rebuilt. Nebuchadnezzar built it into one of the seven wonders of the world. Of the ancient world. And... Uh, uh, eventually, again, it was sacked and ruined to the point where armies have marched over in the desert the ruins of Babylon, not even knowing it was there. So Isaiah 
he saw beyond the time he lived in, and he said, yeah, Syria is a superpower now. They, they, everybody thinks they're invincible. But they're not the ones. Babylon is going to eclipse them. And now, not in so much in the days as an individual of Nebuchadnezzar, because Daniel worked with that man, but still, the Chaldeans were hard at work, and uh, uh, that's a whole other story, because Daniel even saves their lives. Anyway, the biblical prophecies concerning Babylon really cover three time periods. And this is basic prophecy study. There's the near fulfillment. There are things that Isaiah said, this is going to happen to ancient Babylon. He didn't have to tell them ancient Babylon. And, uh, and it happened. It's, it's done. That's a near fulfillment. There are spiritual applications in his prophecies, which we'll get some of in the next chapter, uh, to Satan controlling empires. And uh, uh, you know, through the ages, not just in the days of the prophets. Then there is the distant fulfillment, which is the ultimate, the conclusion of the matter. Uh, for instance, Isaiah 53 is ultimate fulfillment is Christ on the cross and what comes out of that. Well, uh, this man said the burden which he saw, that makes us say, okay, God told him this. I want to know about it. I want to know about it as much as I can because I have learned as a Christian the more ammunition I load up with ammunition of truth, the more I'll get to use it. And maybe some Christians say, well, God never uses me. Well, maybe because you're out of bullets and you, you've got to get, get to work. Anyway, um, so let's just, you know, in preparation for to share from the Bible, there's that just hard work session where you just get doing the facts, you're doing the research and it really doesn't get very nice as a rule until the Lord then takes the research and fashions it into something spiritual. And you see the blessings then. So, and, and I, you know, in, in preparing for this, I entered this, oh man, chapter 13, I know it's coming here. But then as, you know, you begin to dig into it, it begins to percolate. And you sense, okay, this is, this is the Lord. And this is the kind of, uh, to me, the things that were blessing me. Ancient Babylon... Uh, and, of course, apocalyptic Babylon, not, discern, not the same. And in the history of Israel, ancient Babylon was God's scourge, used as God's scourge upon his wicked people. Well, so was Assyria, other, other nations too. But Babylon was the one that wiped out Jerusalem's, the temple, the city. I mean, it took the people prisoner. Killed some of them, many of them, <clears throat> but they, they really, they're the ones that sat and destroyed the first temple. And so, uh, in, in New, in, then you have New Testament Babylon, which uh, more than any other city, it personifies the forces of the world deliberately against Christ. Do, do you think, given the choice, I, I don't know the answer. <laughs> I got my answer. Do you think Joe Biden would go to a Bible study by a Bible-preaching pastor and, and sit down and enjoy it and respond to it as the New Testament would want him to? And you say, well, what about all the other world leaders? 
of all of them, how many of them would be interested in God's word? So when we're talking about Babylon now, we're talking about the kingdoms of the world that think they're getting away with defying Jesus Christ. And, you know, we're seeing this more and more. There's not only a resistance to Christ or an apathy, there's a hatred for Christ in, in many circles, especially in the bigger cities. Well, in the Great Tribulation, this Babylon is defiant humanity against the Godhead. It's very deliberate. Uh, in the New Testament, in the Revelation, the word Babylon is used to describe the global govern- government's against Jesus. And that's the part we don't want to leave out. They're not only, you know, apathetic, they are anti. Where does that really show up in Scripture? Anti-Christ. So evil is anti-Christ that the Bible calls him an animal. He's just a beast. And he's not the only one. He's just the one that's calling the shots. He has a planet of advocates behind him. So beginning in Revelation 17, John then describes the Lamb of God and his step-by-step victory over the beast and his kingdom. The many facets of Babylon. In Revelation 17, he deals with religious Babylon or the apostate. The apostate has fallen away. It is been exposed to the truth, claimed to believe it, and then fallen away. This is Rome, uh, for, for sure. It doesn't stop there. Uh, <clears throat> in 17, this religious system is judged. Revelation 17, 5. And on her forehead, a name was written. Now, in ancient Rome, many of the brothels where the prostitutes were, they would wear headbands with their names on them. And so here we have something that in that age, people would, "Ah, I get this. Mystery Babylon, the great mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. When God says that about something, what is he talking about? Because I don't want to be on that team. Revelation 17, 18. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. And, you know, the history of of the, the popes ruling kings subjecting them to punishments, uh, threatening them with excommunications and all sorts of, sorts of things. And, and uh, you know, Antichrist is going to play with them, for, play along with them. The, they were, this harlot will have a ride-along for a while until they destroy her because they hate her uh, for, for many reasons. Anyway, uh, the false religion is the harlot, who has abandoned truth and sold herself for wealth. And when we see her riding the beast, going this ride along with Antichrist, she's bedecked in jewels, has this incredible amount of wealth. Uh, So the Bible portrays the false religion, the harlot, the apostate religion. The true church is the chaste virgin. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 11, 2 where Paul says you are a chaste virgin, and then we see at the, 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 the marriage wedding for the, for the bride of the Lamb, Revelation 19, 7 and 8. So that verse 17 again, the religious system is judged. And there we read about the beast being destroyed, and they, they eat 
the beast and cast it out. In verse in, in Revelation 18 now, we see the judgment of the Lamb upon the political and economic system. They fall victim to his judgment. Then you come to Revelation 19, and there the Lord himself returns to earth. He judges Satan, the beast, and the false prophet. And we hear Paul talk about this. One of my favorite verses in Scripture is 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father. When he puts an end to all rule and authority and power. Because he is all rule and authority and power. And I'm going to be there to see that. And, and so will you. And uh, I, again, when, he, when that angel grabs hold of Satan and chains him up. That's a, that's a tough angel, man. He's like, he just grabs him. And uh, that's that. Don't you want to see that happen? Don't you want to say, can we cheer? I know there's going to be that moment of silence in heaven, but this is maybe not it. Can, can we, like, ring in with hallelujahs? Anyway, so you have political, economic, apostate, spiritual, Babylon. All of these, Satan used the men and the women in these institutions, and nowadays, their technology. And, and don't think for a minute, he's not using the technology to protect, Satan knows how to protect his people, but he just can't do it permanently. He protected Judas for long enough and then discarded him. So anyway, uh, John, again, could find no better picture to say, look at what these people are doing, these kingdoms, than Babylon. He says, "Uh, they're Babylon. Uh, This fits a perfect fit. And uh, included in all of this is man's, the story of man's sorcery. And so let's look at some of those verses. Revelation 9.21, telling us what's really going wild in the end times. The end of the end times, I should say. Because the end times began with Christ. The end of the end times is now, we're upon it. With Israel being back in her land. And looking that, hey, you know, this cannot be sustained, uh, what mankind is doing. Anyway, Revelation 9 tells us a little bit about the people. He says, and they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. He covers a lot with that. Do you, do you, why is it that a politician can go into the White House making, I don't know, $200,000 a year and come out like a multimillionaire? What is happening? How did they, did, did they, you know, hit lottery or something? Uh, I think there's a lot of hands under the table. A lot of uh, lobbyists which are buying these politicians. This is stealing. This is the thefts. The murders, I get just with the unborn, just, you can just do that one. Then how many other people have murder for power? So, anyway, 921 of Revelation calls it like it is. Revelation 14.8. And another angel follows saying, Babylon has fallen, is fallen. That great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And that, again, is um, just very descriptive about even what the angels, you, could, you know, when, he, when, the, when there's a repetition, there's an emphasis. It's fallen. It's fallen. It's gone. Man, uh, so we'll be in heaven when this is happening. All of Revelation 9 through 18. Uh, then... Revelation 
in the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Wrong. Uh, Of course, because she amassed wealth, thought that she would just, you know, knew what she was doing. And she did for Satan. I sit as queen. Let me ask you, what religion on earth, earth worships a particular woman that would call that worship blasphemy? Mary would snot, snap. Mary would go off on, you're doing what to me? You're worshiping? You're praying to me? You're mad with hell to dare do such a thing. I didn't die for you. I'm a sinner too. Anyway, else she makes a direct reference to her Savior. And uh, you only can have a Savior if you have sin in the spiritual context. Anyway, Revelation 18.23. No, no, let's go 18.21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone, a great millstone, and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and not be found anymore. This is a thorough judgment. Revelation 18.23, the light of the lamp shall not shine on you anymore. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants, see, it's economic element. Your merchants were the great men of the earth. The political element. For by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. The occultic element. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a comprehensive, it's, 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 it's It's inclusive of other sins directed against Jesus Christ. And that is the thing. How will you know Antichrist? Because he will be against Christ. And he will not be moral. Just because he's successful as worldlings go is no indication that he's in favor with God. Because there are those who have got to be with God. God's blessing him. No, he's not. Uh, So Babylon, the dead weight of all the world's powers, defiantly resisting Christ, her burden will be the judgment. And what about all those evil people that came before that those final judgments? Well, I talked about them already with Mao and Pol Pot and uh, Stalin. These guys were Satan on earth, and they weren't the only ones. I mean, Thomas Takamata, the, the, the Spanish Inquisition, and what evil, what hatred for the Jews. Yeah, you, you know, it's just it's, it's horrible. Anyway, which Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw. He, again, he sees the near prophecies, he, and he, he saw the distance. And I think the prophets, you know, how do you account for how they, they, they merge? They go from, like Isaiah is going to go from ancient Babylon prophecies, then he moves over to apocalyptic, then he goes back. How do you, how, why, why is he doing this? Well, he doesn't like us. He wanted to annoy us. Of course not. He is, um, I think they saw, they just knew a lot of stuff. This is going to happen. But they didn't have the whole picture. They didn't need it. Those guys spoke what God told them to speak. And it's sometimes incredible when there's a near fulfillment and they tell a king, you do this because the army's doing that. And then it comes to pass, you say, man, that takes courage to go do that. Uh, and, and we see it. Anyway, uh, verse 2. Lift up a banner on the high mountain. Raise your voice to them. Wave your hand that they may 
enter the gates of nobles. So, uh, this is sending signals to the armies to go conquer uh, ancient Babylon. I'm going to go back just a moment to that reference where he talks about, in Revelation, the queen. Uh, you know, I sit as queen. I don't think ever before in history have women been targeted in mass like today. They are you women are you are in Satan's crosshairs, man, like never before. You're, the only safe place you have is at the foot of Christ, the feet of Christ. You're invincible there. But you want to step out of that, you just get ready because Satan it seems like he's put a spiritual contract on the females. One of the ways he's been able to get away with that is by neutering the men. They are, they're, they're just males, many of them. They're not men. Uh, they take no responsibility. And it's just, he's, he's just confused everything. Um, I agree with Vernon McGee when he says, you know, one thing that uh, when a woman is competitive, there's an element of femininity that is gone. And, uh, you know, just uh, things to be mindful of. And ladies, also I would add, you wouldn't be in this predicament if the men would have done their jobs. So just like the Garden in Eden, you both share the guilt, male and female alike. But the fact remains, Satan's tactic right now is what his tactic was in Eden, mess with the woman. And we're seeing it, you know, women wanting to be men. And just, it's, just, it's, just, it's real spiritual. Anyway, uh, but, uh, and anyone caught in that, there's only one step back to Christ. It's all you need, or one step forward to Christ. will resolve the whole thing. Uh, anyway, verse 4, <clears throat> the noise of the multitude in the mountains, like that of many people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together. Yahweh of hosts musters the army for battle. Verse 5, they come from a far country, from the end of heaven. Yahweh and his weapons of indignation to destroy the whole land. And so this is a judgment on Babylon. Usually we've been reading things like this against the northern kingdom or the southern, but this one's Babylon. And uh, the, the ones that are um, singled out for this, you could say sanctified or anointed for this task, uh, they're set aside for this purpose. It's not, in a, it's not non-moral, it's not spiritual in that sense. They don't have to know that they are God's instruments. Um, <clears throat> there have been people in history that have been God's instruments, and, and they didn't know it. Would God use them anyway? I mean, uh, you know, we'll come to Cyrus later in latter chapters, and God said, you know, he's my shepherd, because I'm going to use him like a shepherd. Well, coming back to this, um, they're instruments of Yahweh. to over And Babylon was overthrown, of course, by the Medes and the Persians. Um, so, but, but there's more to the story in that. A lot of stuff about Babylon is not available. Ancient Babylon is not available. The historians have not been able to preserve a lot of it. <clears throat> not, and what is preserved often makes more questions and gives answers. Verse 6, Well, for the day of the Lord is at hand, it will come as destruction from the Almighty. So now he, he shifts gears <clears throat> to verse 14, all the way from 6 to 14. Now he pauses on ancient Babylon's doom, and he talks about end time, apocalyptic Babylon, 
And uh, the context gives us that. And that's what you say. How come he does it like that? Well, I think because he just, God showed him things. And uh, John, how much of what he saw could he communicate? Uh, he does a masterful job using the symbol, symbols, the emblems. Uh, but how, how do you describe things that no one else has ever seen before? And, uh, and, and have it survive through the ages. Well, that's where the signs and wonders, the similitudes come from that Jesus said, I've spoken in. Anyway, and, and that's why. Um, with verse 6 through 14, he sees beyond the Medes conquering, and he sees end time judgment of God on the whole earth uh, to the end of the age. As read from verse 11 when we started this, I would judge the whole earth, the whole world. The, and that, the, the sign is that day of the Lord. That is that, that end time judgment, uh, that greater day, the final destruction of Babylon by the intervention of Messiah, Jesus himself. And, and Messiah, he, did, he didn't, wasn't aware of Jesus. He was aware of Messiah, but not like we know him. Uh, it, it was very difficult for the Jews to see this. Paul missed it entirely until God got hold of him. Anyway, verse 7, Therefore all hands will be limp, every man's heart will melt. Verse 8, And they will be afraid, pangs and sorrows will take hold of them. They will be in pain as a woman in childbirth. They will be amazed at one another. Their faces will be like flames. Behold, the day of Yahweh comes, cruel in both wrath and fierce anger, with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate. He will destroy its sinners from it. Verse 10, and the stars of heaven, for the stars of heaven and the constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. Well, we're very familiar with that kind of language from verse 10. But before I get there, uh, you know, when ancient Babylon was conquered, it was really liberated. There wasn't a lot of killing going on in the city. That happened in another city where the Babylonian army was defeated at Opus. And that allowed the Medes and Persians to pretty much just walk into Babylon. It's such a big city. It was almost impregnable with moats and walls. And the, the Babylonians fell, ah, we're fine. So we lose the battles here, lose the battle there. We're fine. And uh, that's when the handwriting appeared on the wall, and, as Daniel records. And that night, the king was killed by Darius the Mede when he was 62 years old. And that doesn't mean he pulled the trigger, but he gave the order. Uh, anyway, we'll come back to a little bit of that. So here in verses 7 through 8, he's depicting reactions of dreadful news. Because this is global. This is going to be global. Everybody's trying to get home. And uh, the, the sun and the sky darkening. Well, in ancient times, that could have some application to when they were burning a city. And if you were close enough, you know, that, that would be the effect. But this is bigger than that. Now, uh, again, usually picturing Israel, this time it's the great tribulation misery. As God begins to execute judgment before he delivers the kingdom of, of man or the of the world back to the Father. But these cosmic disturbances, well, Joel talks about them. Jesus talked about them. Matthew 24, 29 says the same thing. Mark captures it. Luke captures it. And this is what Jesus was talking about in the tribulation period. And all of Matthew 24 is about the end times. So that's where Isaiah, is. he's uh, certainly in agreement with Christ. Christ is not in agreement with Isaiah. 
Isaiah's in agreement with Christ. Uh, anyway, verse 11, and here's the, the, the lead-off verse we used. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. How many politicians in Washington do you think would be receptive to that? Well, some would be. Some, I believe, are genuine believers. Uh, but here's globalized judgment because of globalized defiance. And it is going to lead to the end. Verse 12, I will make a mortal more rare than fine gold, a man more than the gold golden wedge of Ophir. Well, Ophir is that uh, exotic and unknown place to us. Isaiah knew where it was. Uh, evidently, valuable and precious golds came from there. But this is population reduction on a scale unknown to mankind. And it matches what Jesus said. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And in context there, the elect are the Jewish people. Because the Gentiles are getting beheaded for Christ. And the Jews are being wiped out. So the Lord will intervene uh, on, on behalf of both. Verse 13, therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth will move out of her place. Uh, the earth will move out of her place in the wrath of Yahweh of hosts. And in the day of his fierce anger. Well, where earth has been moved out of place many times, but globally, the flood. I was talking with my daughter today about a book by, from Emmanuel Vilikovsky. He's got two of them out. One of them, Earth in Collisions and uh, Earth in Upheavals. They're out of print because the scientific community wants to shut it down. Because he offers so much evidence that, you know, how come we're finding these giant boulders, just um, don't hold me to the exact places, but for example, we found this giant boulder in Michigan that is found nowhere else in Michigan, but it is found in Scotland. How did it get there? Uh, so, uh, you know, he does many things like this, and the science community wanted to shut him down because he does not claiming to be a Christian. He probably was not. He's just going with facts. Uh, anyway, I have the books. If you want to borrow them, I'll set the price. Let the bidding begin at $50 million. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, so verse 14, it says, It shall be the hunted gazelle, and as a sheep that no man takes up, every man will turn to his own people, and everyone will flee to his own land. So this is global, I think. It paints a global picture. The people are defenseless, they're isolated, and they're paranoid. With good, now, just because you're paranoid, you know, this old saying, just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean someone's not after me. And somebody may be after me, and I am paranoid at the same time. Uh, so now, from, now, back to ver- chapter 15 to the end, Isaiah then returns to ancient Babylon. And it's fate. Uh, for her mysticism. And so you, you, your context lends to that. You can say, wait, this is global. So when we, get, when we get to talking about Satan, we come across things that says, well, this is the king of Babylon. But no human being has experienced what now this now says. And that's, uh, you know, one of the indications. Okay, this has moved into the spiritual realm. Verse 15, everyone who is found will be thrust through, and everyone who is captured will fall away by the sword. 
Their children also will be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses will be plundered and their wives ravished. Okay, now, of course, some of this will be taking place in the tribulation period. But he's really focusing back on ancient Babylon. Well, women and children always suffer more in war. But everybody suffers a lot. Uh, but usually, the women and the children are claimed as spoils of war, at least in the ancient warfare. Uh, but here, they are uh, brutally, the armies, are, their brutality is not restrained. So you say, well, I, I thought Babylon was preserved from war when it fell. And this stuff didn't happen. It did in Ophir where the battlefield was. That's where the battlefield over Babylon was. They couldn't get into the city, but they wiped out the Babylonian army pretty much in Ophir, the Medes and the Persians. And so verse 17, Behold, I will stir up the Medes against them who will not regard silver as for gold. They will not delight in it. <laughs> no, you can't. They were not going to be bribed. They're going to say, oh, you want to pay us off from coming? I'll tell you what, we'll just kill you and take the money anyway. And which pretty much happened. So, Darius, he's the first ruler of Babylon. We get that Daniel 5, verses 30 and 31. And uh, there would be more conquest of Babylon, that footprint, that geographical footprint. But it will never be the Babylon it was under Nebuchadnezzar. It now becomes the empire of the Medes and the Persians because God's looking out for his people because they're captive in Babylon and Cyrus will be, he will be raised up, and Cyrus will have a whole other approach to captured people. His approach would, let's send them all home, and let's get them all to contribute to the kingdom. And that's why the Jews were allowed to go home, and other peoples were, were also. And it was a, a radical shift. Uh, we would get that in detail when we go to Ezra, uh, the first chapters of Ezra. Anyway, whatever happened after the Babylonians were ousted, other kings came and rules for the first Medo's Medo-Persian rule. Uh, then Alexander, ultimately, Alexander the Great conquers uh, Persia, where Babylon is, uh, under their authority back then. Today it's in Iraq, but the Persians, as I, uh, today it's Iran. Uh, pardon me. Iran is Persia, and Iraq is where ancient Babylon was. So uh, after Alex Alexander wanted to rebuild the city, but he died before he could do a lot of things. And, of course, his kingdom was divided up into four sections. Two of those sections became very big, you know, uh, Ptolemy and, and the Seleucids. And the Seleucids produced Antiochus Epiphanes, or Antiochus. And uh, he was like a, a type of Antichrist, the way he treated the Jews. And he's just an evil evil man. Again, that's in, in Daniel covers that. So eventually, in time, ancient Babylon was stripped of whatever she had to offer in building materials, left in ruins, the deserts, sands covered her up. Uh, and ironically, she, the ruins are still there, and the archaeolo archaeologists are protecting it, so to speak, keeping for anybody from building it to fulfill prophecy. Let's move on and find some of that. Verse 18. Also, there Blows will dash the young men to pieces. They will have no pity, no fruit of the womb. Their eye will not spare children. And so this still belongs to the destruction of ancient Babylon. When he says it will dash the young men, it means suddenly they will be, be struck down dead. And again, the, the battle, the violent battle of Opus, 
Well, you know, you're not going to find a lot of information about that except to know that there was a great slaughter of the Babylonians and the city was uh, indeed ravished. Uh, verse 19. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans, pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. <clears throat> you, you have to be impressed by cities. Uh, the bigger cities really have a lot of material things to offer. It's just that they're, of course, a mess. And I wouldn't want to live there unless I was filthy rich. <laughs> then I'd have a country, a beach home too. Uh, but anyhow, uh, it's impressive. You go to some cities, it's really impressive. Uh, well, Babylon was impressive as men go. But in the end, what is a profit? They get destroyed by God. Uh, it's what men do with these resources. Anyway, <coughs> here in verse 19, he brings up Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible does not let man forget Sodom and Gomorrah. You would think, okay, we read about that back in Genesis. Uh, we're good. God says, no. You're going to hear about this all the way to the end. In fact, before you get to Revelation, I'm going to write a preface to the revelation. And I'm going to use Jude the dude to do it. And Jude writes, and it's an excellent preface to the book of Revelation. He says, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them. You catch that? Because we know from the Genesis record, it tells us the five cities around were also destroyed, not just Sodom and Gomorrah. But you see, they were advocates. They were close enough to the evil because they wanted to be. And God says, I'm not leaving you out. You're going to get the judgment too. So as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, Jude verse 7, in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So Jude is saying, oh, don't think that's outdated and don't forget it. And don't think that it's going to somehow be outdated in future generations. You know, you get the people that try to say, you know, Christians can be this way too, without repentance. They're lying to themselves because they are believing what Satan is saying. And then when you have a lie, you can't wait to tell it. And that's why they're promoting this stuff. And they're doing it to the death. Very serious. Well, it's going to encompass the world. And so when he, verse 19 says, In Babylon, the glory of kingdoms. Again, cities are, you know, have a glory to them. The beauty of the Chaldeans' pride will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. See, not letting it go. Sodom and Gomorrah, mentioned 49 times in the Bible, in 15 books, and never in positive light. It's never, oh, you, but you know what? They had the greatest jelly donuts you're ever going to have. It never gives a, com, a, a kind word. That is pertinent. And that's something we need to point out. So, you know, just remember this. The wrath of God is still on, the, on Sodom. Not because they sinned, but because their attitude towards their sin. That's what did them in. They were defiant in their luxury, uh, against Yahweh, 
uh, as we has come to be known amongst the Jews. And so to think of the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah uh, as widely embraced, embraced today by by as something honorable to God, and they're doing that. Okay, maybe you've not come across them, but they're doing this. They're trying to leaven it into Christianity, and in that leaven is strychnine, spiritual strychnine. To think that God is somehow good with this is identical to think that God is pleased by cold-blooded murder or any other sin. It is Satan. It is the voice of the devil. And don't for one minute, when you know you say, well, do, can, can Satan speak through human beings? Get behind me, Satan. What did Jesus say to Peter? To Peter. You know, you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. And that's what the, the act of Solomon and Gomorrah and the, the cities surrounding it, they weren't mindful of God. They were mindful of what pleased them. Eve wanted to better herself. It says that she saw the tree was good for knowledge. So I, I would like a degree. Not that there's anything wrong, but the, where the error comes is that you, you want to improve your... You think you're improving yourself by going against God. You're not. You're improving Satan's power. And uh, that is the story of um, mankind. And same again. I don't, I don't want to feel like I have to over. Oh, now, let me also knock Adam. Every time I say something negative about women, let me do Adam. Every time I say negative about men, let me also say that's the world today. You can't, you can't mention any nation today in a negative light, regardless of how true it is, without apologizing in some form. Well, I'm not saying they're all like that. Well, who said you were? But if you don't say it, what are you trying to say? We're all that way? Uh, you know, if I say well, La Costa Nostra was, you know, Italian. Well, not all Italians are part of the mafia. And uh, you, you shouldn't even have to put anybody through that. I think I went through this on Sunday. I felt like I just wanted to use another kind of people as an example. And I felt myself, oh, but if you do that, you got to apologize. And I said, no, I don't care. I'm walking around. I'm sorry I used that analogy even though it was true. <laughs> I mean, you make you so timid that you can't tell the truth anymore. And the result is you can't say, I serve Jesus Christ. And if you don't like it, that's your business. When someone doesn't like your politics, just ask them. So are you, just may understand this. You are demanding that I think like you, whether I want to or not. Let's just be clear about this. And then you can say, get behind me, Satan. Can you be using it in a promise, in the proper context? You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Anyway, verse 20, it will never be inhabited. That's pretty serious. Nor will it be settled from generation to generation. See, that's why we know it's a local Babylon here. Otherwise, the whole planet, you know, if it was spiritual Babylon, it would be the whole planet. But anyway, nor will... The Arabian pitch tents there. Ooh, don't say Arabians. Got to apologize. Nor will the shepherds make their sheepfolds there. Well, Babylon never regained her world position once the Medes and Persians. Jeremiah, he quotes Isaiah. And you'd love to see the prophets quote each other. Uh, you know, Jeremiah even, uh, Daniel, you know, researched Jeremiah and said, we're going to be here 70 years. I got it. I cracked the code. Jeremiah said this, and he just lets everybody know. So anyway, Jeremiah says, therefore, the wild beast, and he comes 100 years after Isaiah. And you say, well, was Isaiah's record still around? That's a joke, because we're reading Isaiah. Obviously, it was still around. <laughs> anyway, 
Not a ha-ha joke, but, well, maybe it is. Therefore, the wild beast shall dwell there with the jackals, and the ostriches shall dwell in it. Will the jackals eat the ostriches? How does that work? Anyway, coming back to this. Uh, it shall be inhabited no more forever, nor shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation, as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Up, oh, pause there. There's Jeremiah now using it. You're not going to let you forget this. And again, if it's one thing to struggle with such sins, or any sin. It's another thing to be defiant with that sin. And that's what, you want to get on God's bad side? Thumb your nose in his face over your sin. Uh, that's what will happen. If you should, again, so, um, as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighbors, he doesn't leave that out either, says Yahweh, so none, no one shall reside there, nor son of man dwell in it. And that's true. To this day, archaeology has preserved the ruins of Sodom. And, you know, they've found it, and this is it, and... You can't say, well, you know what? I think I'm going to have an apartment on the ruins of ancient. You're not. He says, uh, so um, the glory is past. There have been people living in the vicinity, but that's not the ancient city. Uh, the Greek historian Strabo, he described the site as a vast desert, just desolate, nothing there. Uh, he said, well, this is where it was. There's nothing here. It's desert. And again, the, the archaeologists dug it up. Verse 21, But wild beasts of the desert will lie there, and their houses will be full of owls, ostriches will dwell there, and wild goats will caper there. They're, that means they're going to rob banks. They're going to pull a caper. Anyway, verse 22, And the hyenas will howl in their citadels, and the jackals in their pleasant places her time is near to come, and her days will not be prolonged. This is, again, ancient Babylon. And knowing the spiteful nature of the Jesus haters who are in power especially, it is very likely that Antichrist will draw up plans to rebuild ancient Babylon. And he may start sort of like a suburban kind of a you know, thing to start building it up. He's got to bring water into it. Wi-Fi, got to have Wi-Fi. Uh, so anyway, in outright defiance, but he's going to fail. And no one's going to rebuild over the ancient city. Well, we got out a little early tonight, looks like. Uh, don't get used to it. Let's pray. Our Father, so much history in your scripture, both past, present, and future. May we become masterful at sharing these things. But we understand that before we can share these with those who need to hear it, you have to go ahead of us. And we pray that you would. We ask that you get us all home safely tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.